You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. It's Darth Vader, watch out! And he's got a lightsaber! It's Kenner's new Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. I got you now, Ben Kenobi. With R2-D2 and C-3PO, there's even Chewbacca and Han Solo. Someone's coming, Chewie. Who's there? It's Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker. Now I know the Force is with us. Darth Vader, R2-D2, C-3PO, and other Kenner Star Wars action figures, each sold separately. everybody and welcome once again to Geekfest Rants. My name is Carlos Perón and today we are going to take a look at a book that's about to be published having to do with Star Wars action figures and a controversy that seemed to have started around the kickstarting process of this book. The majority of the issue seems to have to do with whether you are into or approve of reproductions of Kenner action figures and accessories. This is a very deep, deep, into the weeds dive into action figure collecting philosophies, if you will. So let's just get started. Plato, Mirada, You must burn the books, Montag. The books have nothing to say. When I was your age, television was called books. You, Mr. Bemis, are a reader. A, a reader? A reader. A reader of books, magazines, periodicals, newspapers. With the goal of not getting involved, I want to go into a current controversy, if you will, happening within the Star Wars action figure collecting community. This is something that I've talked about a little bit in the past, and I'm going to talk about it even more in the future, specifically when it comes to custom action figures. I have a show coming up that it's all about the custom figures that I made myself or that I've purchased or that I've gotten as presents and you know where do they come from, how are they made, and the controversy around them because as you might or might not know, there appears to be basically two camps in the customizing world. One camp is all for making things, you know, from scratch, reproducing things, coming up with ways of making vintage looking action figures and accessories and all kinds of stuff like that. And the other camp is no, no reproduction at all. It has to be original or nothing. Now, just like with anything else, there are so many grades to how far you go in one direction or the other direction. I might have mentioned it in the past that I have a friend who 
not only, you know, he's very, you know, pro vintage in terms of, you know, he appreciates the vintage stuff, but he can go as far as to say that, well, the only true vintage collectors are the vintage collectors who've purchased their toys during the actual year that they were put out. So in other words, a collector who purchased his Star Wars action figures in 78, you know, 79, is a better, a more legitimate collector than a collector that maybe purchased their vintage toys later in 1990s or the 2000s, you know, whatever, yesterday, <laughs> that kind of thing. So as you can see, there's a, there's a big field of where you stand when it comes to collecting. Uh, now, I'm not talking about, you know, the open collectors, the people that just flip toys, the people that collect and hide. That's a whole other world that, that, you know, we I think we talked about it in the past. All these different types of methods of collecting. This is specifically having to do with the repro community versus the non-repro community. And right now, I kind of personally support the repro community. But I dabble in both in terms of I join groups on Facebook that are both Reaper or non-Reaper. I don't care. Now, obviously, with Reaper people, nobody wants to hear anybody screaming at you on their Facebook page about, you know, the non-Reaper crowd and vice versa. The non-Reaper crowd don't want to hear anything about Reaper. On the other hand, most of the groups that seem to take action in terms of not only enforcing even the thought or the chatter of repro versus non-repro are the non-repro people. I've, I've been to many of these sites where they are constantly reminding people, like somebody will say, hey, look what I just got. Anybody know anything about it or something like that? And somebody will go, oh, it looks repro. We can't talk about that here. Or, or they'll just outright, you know, uh, delete a post and that sort of thing. Uh, a lot of times, I think, is somebody innocently posting something because they're not aware of this behind the scenes internal political thing going on in the community and they just get kind of get caught in the middle of this crossfire but i don't seem to see that too much on the other side on the repro side i don't see too many people complaining about well well you're just a vintage uh you know purist and that's the only person that you know you people are not allowed to even talk about things here no it seems to be more on the other side that they're more active in in making sure that the 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 repro people do not interact you know within their confines about that subject and you know the argument goes in both directions and as usual there is no clear cut line there are many factors at play and if and it's kind of like a like a court case you know because I, I i i like watching <laughs> i don't have time anymore really but i i used to like watching like court shows and that sort of thing because i like listening to people's point of view in terms of here's my case and here's the other person's case and then you listen to both of them and you're like okay well granted if you don't know much about the law you're only going on your own personal opinion. But there is that thing where, yeah, you have your own personal opinion and your feelings as to who's right and who's wrong, but sometimes you go by the law. Well, when it comes to this, there's really no law. I mean, yes, uh, we are arguing amongst people that are not the the law. <laughs> not to get into a... Uh, Judge Dredd Stallone impression, but, you know, exactly who is the law? Well, in your personal case, you are the law. Or as Stallone would have said, I am the law or I am the law. 
in this particular example, you are the one who is determining which way you go with this whole thing. Unfortunately, you know, the more deep you get into this situation, the more that you kind of have to pick sides. And that brings up a whole other world of problems. So let's go on a tangent. Picking sides, fandom, my God. I've had my experience of fandom and picking sides and trying to point things out of what's right and what's wrong. And it resulted in some almost catastrophic results of which I still stand behind my decisions and I still stand behind the outcome. Luckily, it was favorable in my side, but I did get to the point where it could have all gone away. The show could have gone away and that would have been the end of the show, but I felt that it was worth it. And like I said, luckily it ended up in my favor. Show still around. The things that were done against the show were taken back because they were found to be completely ridiculous. So everything turned out for the best in a good manner for me. However, with a lot of these things, you have to, you know, kind of like they say, you have to pick your battles. Yeah, you have to pick your battles. And this doesn't directly affect me. You know, I'm not making money out of this when it comes to these action figures. I'm just kind of like, you know what? If they're available, I'm going to buy them. If I'm not available, then I don't buy them. That's as simple as it goes. However, it is very difficult and it's very tempting to pick a side and not only pick a side, but embrace that side. And that is something that I, I really don't want to do because what I'm finding out, and, and obviously it should be nothing new to anybody, is that with fandom, when you're picking sides... And when you attach yourself to something, it is so personal. And you become so tied into it to the effect where it becomes, if you let it, it becomes religion, it becomes politics, it becomes your favorite sports team, people who follow sports. In my particular case, it becomes politics. That was, you know, that is one of my big, big, deep, deep <laughs> personal things for me that it is my, you know, my politics are my politics. And that is what's happened through the years, not only lately with fandom, by, you know, by the injection of, of toxic fandom, it, it splintered the, the community. It kind of forced those who wanted to participate in the conversation to pick a side. And I don't regret that. I know where I stand with my views of toxic fandom. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. I've experienced it. I've received the backlash of standing up against toxic fandom. And I lived through it. Fine. However, that kind of vitriol, that kind of opinion is also in other areas of fandom, including action figure collecting, believe it or not, which is like, it's just an amazing thing. And one of the things that I found is that we really need to be more careful with our fandoms because we form these loyalties and these, I don't want to say imaginary, but long distance relationships and a lot of times there are one-sided relationship. The best example for this that I could remember is a podcasting, out of all things, the thing you're listening to right now. And whether you have a bazillion followers or three, it doesn't really matter. The point is that there have been shows that I've followed where you not only listen to the show, but you also listen to the banter between the hosts and the conversation and the personal things that they talk about. And you start to kind of feel like you're a guest in their living room, let's say, and you're listening to, you know, them telling you about themselves. 
and you get very personally, emotionally involved or connected to those stories because sometimes those stories apply to you because you've experienced that before and you're like saying to yourself, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. And it's almost like, you know, you're at a party and you're sitting in a, with a group of people having this conversation where everybody's chiming in and contributing to that conversation, except in reality, you're not. You're just listening. You're eavesdropping in a way. <laughs> so you do get that with this form of medium, you know, the podcasting medium. Now, through social media, it brings it up a notch because now you can start kind of interacting. I mean, theoretically, you could become friends and have that kind of close relationship with these people. However, most times, the people you're listening to could be in the other side of the country, and it's just practically impossible for you to ever be able to, you know, get to know them one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, it's hard enough to... Uh, from a distance point of view, where would you have an opportunity? That's when, you know, conventions come in handy where it's like, oh my God, you're going to be at that convention, so am I. Let's, you know, let's meet up and chat or whatever. And, you know, you never know exactly how that works. There are some podcasts, let's say, that are pretty big or, or the people are so outgoing that they enjoy that kind of interaction, but there might be others where they don't. They're you know, kind of a recluse individual where they kind of don't like big crowds and they feel comfortable you know, talking in a microphone, but in person, it's a whole other, a whole other monster. So it's, it's really strange how that works, but you do still kind of develop those things. And with something like a group, like a Facebook group or whatever group, you know, we happen to be talking about, uh, you do encounter those situations where you get very, very committed and deep into a conversation, let's say, or a thread that's started in a group about a subject. Now, with the whole groups, if part of the purpose of that whole group is about you're either into this or you're not into this, whenever somebody who's not into it tries to kind of come into the group, you will get that group think of, no, keep that person away. We don't want that kind of person in this group. And that's what I kind of find about a lot of these things that we talk about here is that we become very loyal to the group and kind of in a way almost like like celebrities where, you know, you admire a celebrity, you probably never met a celebrity and then, you know, you're always on their side, you're always cheering for them and then something bad happens and, you know, you personally feel horrible that something bad happened, whether it's something bad embarrassing or something bad tragic and you kind of go along with them and sometimes even if something questionable happens to this celebrity, you start to kind of make excuses for them too, in terms of almost like if that person's related to you and like, well, you know, he's a, he's a jerk, but hey, he's a nice guy, but you know, he made a mistake. You know, you start to kind of make excuses for them. What I'm finding again, more and more is that the more that our fandom attaches itself to something, especially something that's not tangible, you know, I love Disney. I love going to Disney. I love Disney products. You know, I'm all for the Disney thing. However, I do understand that as much as I love and I am a loyal Disney client, I do understand that if my dollars were not leaving my pocket and going from me to Disney, that that relationship wouldn't be existing right now. Disney doesn't care about how much I love their product. They care about how much I pay for their product. That's the thing there. It's it's a one-way relationship. It's an imaginary relationship. It's a consumer relationship that we have. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I can't take joy out of it. In other words, hell, take Star Wars, for example. Star Wars is the same thing. Star Wars is a product, a product that I can purchase and I can talk about and I can find joy in this product. And I do have an over unrealistic support and love of the product. But when it comes down, you know, to the bottom line, it's a product and it's money and it's a one way relationship that you're having. Now, what you do with that product is something else. You know, you can, it, you know, it can provide you some form of happiness, but it's a temporary happiness. Obviously, we get that. So, this same theory, I think, applies to, like I said before, celebrities and even these groups. When you align yourself with a group, you know, what I'm finding a lot is that people treat it like politics. They become, you know, like fanatical followers of, of a lot of these things. And that no matter what that person does or says, there's a ton of people ready to pound on you if you disagree with that person, uh, which is something that's it's always very tricky. And in this particular situation that I'm examining today, you know, the, trying to pick sides is not as clear cut as it might seem. I, I've listened to both sides of the story of this particular situation that's happening. And I'm going to go through it a little bit so you can kind of get the gist of what this situation is. There's going to be links so you can kind of read both sides of the story or watch both sides of the story. But it's, it's really an interesting situation. What we're dealing with here is a photographer who's put out a book a couple years ago about the photographing of Star Wars toys for the original Kenner vintage toys. In other words, this is a photographer that used to work on photographing the box art, okay, of Star Wars toys. If you remember those original Kenner toys, you know, the box art was done by somebody and he was involved in that. He photographed some of it and he kind of bought or inherited more or less the rights to own those original, you know, older pictures. But for all intents and purposes, he is now the person who owns that photography. So what he has been doing is putting out these books. He put out one and he's working on a second book right now of all original photography. And they're wonderful books. I got the first one. The second one, I can't wait, you know, to see it. It's it's the type of thing I like. It's the type of thing Star Wars action figure collector nerds like ourselves love. This second book is a Kickstarter project. I don't remember if the first one was. It might have been. It doesn't matter at this point. But the point is that he has been gathering the money and, you know, trying to get people to support the Kickstarter to, to, to have enough money to produce this secondary book. And he has a guy who is in charge of doing all the business side of it. In other words, he likes to concentrate on the taking the photos and arranging and designing and all that stuff. And he would like to have this other guy who's somebody in the community, in the collecting community. He's a guy who's put out his own books, you know, uh, more or less self-publishing Star Wars related books. So that's what's going on over here. What's going on on the other side is you have groups. You have individuals and groups that are starting to contribute money to this project, to this Kickstarter. And one particular group is a group I'm very familiar with because I've purchased things from them in the past and I continue to do, and I am a huge fan of their work. And that is the Fan Strike Back. The Fan Strike Back, again, I'm not going to get this right because it's a little muddled how this works, but there are these guys in England who have been making reproductions and custom figures and accessories of original vintage Star Wars action figures. And they've made these fantastic, unbelievably 
amazing looking figures that people are starting to buy. Now, let's just say off the bat, Disney has not come after them. Lucasfilm has not come after them. Whatever remains of Kenner, which I guess would be Hasbro at this point, has not come after them. No one's come after them. They've been doing this for a few years now. That two-man group would then distribute their toys through a U.S. company, if you will, called the Fan Strike Back. So the Fan Strike Back is basically the distribution and the advertising and the the how to handle the, the, the order taking. Those two guys are up in England dealing with the manufacturing, the design, you know, all that other stuff. They're taking care of that over there. Now, those two guys apparently split into two companies at some point. One of them is called Stan Solo, and the other one is Smith Lord Creations. They're both still putting out their own stuff, but one of them, the original branch or the original half, is still doing it under the Smith Lord name, Smith Lord Creations names, you know, through the fan strike back. And I think that the, between Smith Lord Creations and the fan strike back, they're very closely connected. If not, they are the same thing. It's a, you know, again, I don't have the, the legal documents of how these companies work, but all I know is that they've branched off into two separate companies. The main company, the more prominent one, if you will, because this is the one that, that there's these figures that are about to come out that are incredible and they're doing a lot of work, a lot of big work. Um, these are the ones that are involved in this particular scenario. So on behalf of the fan strikes back, they contribute $3,000 to this Kickstarter project. And their whole reason for doing it is because they want to promote the project and it would be a good thing for them because it's it, it creates customers, people, because by contributing that amount of money, they would get a set amount of books that they can then take and give away as a raffle or a contest or something to their customers. So this isn't, you know, so th there is a purpose for them doing it. They're also doing it under the name, The Fan Strikes Back, because th that's the way of them, you know, promoting, you know, their name of their company. You know, I believe the, 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 in the book, I think, I don't know if this is how they do it. All, this is done all the time, but I've seen it done before. Whereas they, they, they have the name of the company or the name of the person and they actually print it on the book as, you know, these are the contributors. So that's another incentive for people to kind of like, well, you know, you get your name on the book. It's a park, if you will. Well, apparently they did. They did contribute this money. It was except, you know, they, they're, everybody seemed very happy about it. You know, okay, great. Let's move on. Let's get going. Let's get going. And then after a couple of days, somebody pointed out to the photographer and specifically to the guy that's manufacturing it, the, the middleman, if you will, that this company is a repro company, a pro repro company. And that's when all hell broke loose <laughs> in a way. From reading both sides of the argument, basically on their social media page, the photographer started to get comments about how could you get a repro manufacturer involved in a project like this. And a couple of these anti-repro people started complaining about it. Well, it seems that enough of them complained that the person running the promotion, the person in charge of the production of this whole campaign, not so much the photographer, but that that person decided, okay, we got to do something about this because this could be causing negative publicity. Now, this is when the stories start to diverge into two different opinions or two different stories. 
the production guy claims that he was not aware that these guys were repro guys and the photographer also claims that he kind of was also not aware of it that it was all a surprise to them so one way or another they asked to see if they could return the money or have them voluntarily remove it because there's all these weird rules with kickstarter campaigns where you cannot reject money you can only return money you know once it's over or you can ask somebody to take back their contribution if they would voluntarily do that so at the time they asked them can you take back your contribution because we you know we we don't support you know uh, repro stuff and uh, the fan strike back people were like all right well we'll do you know we do we'll do it we'll we'll take it back you know but this is after they were already getting flack from like I said, a different camp of fans, a different branch of fandom, of action figure fandom. And it turned out that they didn't understand at the time that the rules were that they could, not, you know, that they didn't have to do that. So there was a lot of back and forth going on between, well, it's legal for us to donate. You can't refuse it. And they were like, well, if you want to donate it, you can donate it, but you ha- it can't be in your own name. It can't be in your company's name. It has to be on a private name. So, you know, we'll accept it as a private thing. Again, they're adding now these other rules that are not necessarily rules of Kickstarter. Now they're rules of the specifically manufacturer. Behind the scenes, the photographer is threatening to close the project down because there's so much, at this point, back and forth on social media going on between the people that are pro-Reaper and the people that are anti-Reaper, and his project now has become a lightning rod (laughs) for these two different camps. And in one of the communications, one of the messages that you you can see, you can look for, you know, I'll include all the links as much as possible, uh, he does say he might be thinking of scrapping the whole project. Now, here's where we start injecting other people into this situation, more prominent people. As a result of Fans Strike Back taking back their $3,000, I believe, contribution, all of a sudden, Michael Haven jumps in, who is the guy that runs a whole bunch of groups like the Imperial Gunnery, the Imperial Commissary. This is, again, a huge Star Wars figure collecting group. And the argument could be made, if you really kind of dig into it, that a lot of the people that were complaining about accepting this money were part of his different groups. He's got a ton of different groups, including some customizing groups, too. But again, it's not... He's got his own thing going on. He's got his own thing that is specifically about customization, not reproductions. There's hairs to be split here. But anyway, he is the leader of that and a very charismatic individual, just like everybody else, everybody who becomes a leader, if you will, in their sub world of fandom. And he jumps into the conversation saying, Hey, don't worry about it. I will donate $3,000 to make up for this money that you're going to have to return or get rid of, you know, to make sure these guys don't come on board. But he kind of tried playing it from from afar, like like he's coming in to kind of save the day kind of thing. When in all reality, there's a very good possibility that this was all, you know, his people (laughs) under his possible, possible advice, you know, to kind of jump on this whole thing. It's a crazy, crazy fanboy world that we live in. So then another guy jumps into this whole 
mix. His name is Michael French, and he runs the toy collecting YouTube channel Retroblasting. Again, I'm a big fan of the channel. Hey, uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm also uh, somebody who follows the Imperial Commissary on Facebook. You can connect with people there and, and buy toy, you know, vintage stuff and replacement parts and this and that and the other, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I, I kind of know both sides of the fence there. They do two different kind of things. One guy is more of a video maker, a YouTube creator, and the other guy is more of a business guy. He sells, he runs these Facebook groups, and he even holds a, a yearly convention. He's been doing it, I think, for like one or two years now. Very uh, attractive convention, if you will, I mean, given the fact that we have no celebrations happening and all that kind of stuff, and he's already planning the next one, and I think he, he, he does them in Tennessee. I think that's where he's from. But anyway, you're talking about two prominent, you know, fanboys here that you're talk, that, that, that we're dealing with. None of them are official Lucasfilm or Disney or anything of that sort. So you have two equally important uh, voices in fandom here. So Michael French comes out on the side of the repro crowds because he doesn't mind repros. He doesn't care about it. He likes them. The product that comes out of fans sometimes is even better than the official products that are coming out. But this is two different camps that are probably never going to meet in the middle. And he then proceeds to have a series of communications with the guy who's in the middle. His name is Justin Berger, I believe. hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Now, Justin Berger is the guy who's representing the photographer, Kim Simmons, who's doing the, the Empire Strikes Back photo book. But anyway, Justin Berger is another fanboy. <laughs> All these guys are fanboys. He put out his own book about Empire Strikes Back. Again, nothing official from Lucasfilm or Disney. He puts out, you know, he's put out his own thing, his own book about his memories or his sequence of events uh, having to do with the movie The Empire Strikes Back, of how the movie was made and how it came out and the toys and this and that and the other. Again, there's a bazillion of these books out there. I buy a, a lot of them. I, I even bought this one. I, you know, I, I'm everywhere with this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, oh man, these guys are all connected. And apparently that's what ended up happening. Michael French gets into a social media war with Justin Berger. They go back and forth quite a bit. Kim Simmons, the photographer, gets involved and says, all right, screw it. I don't want repro people, you know, they make a decision and, and granted, there's two stories here and they kind of go in different directions. There's, there's holes in some of these stories when you start to read what they're saying and then the counter argument and stuff like that, you see a lot of that. And it's really, really interesting. You know, people are, well, I never knew anything about this and you've got, you know, there's a history of them knowing about this kind of stuff, pretending not to know about some of these things. They don't care about taking the money unless somebody calls them out on it and then the money's like tainted, you know, that kind of stuff. It's really weird. At the same time, all these guys are profiting from Star Wars, if you think about it. They're all profiting without really having the permission directly from Star Wars to do any of this stuff. If Disney or Lucasfilm wanted, they could probably crack down on everybody and say, all right, enough of this crap. Nobody makes a buck here. There's a good chance, not all, but a lot of these people could end up with nothing. In the meantime, the arguments ensued. Now, you guys know my stance on this. You know, I'm pro-repro. I don't mind it. I like it. I think there's certain rules that should be followed. I don't believe in trying to sell something and pretending it's something else. No, that, that doesn't fly with me. But I do believe in selling something as long as everybody is very perfectly aware that this is a reproduction. How you do that, 
to be determined. You can put a stamp on it. You can do something. You can create some kind of imperfection on it so that the average person or the average collector at least can look at it and say, yeah, that's a repro. That's a real one. Fine. Think about this. Even... Hasbro now has gotten into that game. You know, they are now selling reproduced original figures with slight imperfections or slight different somethings to make them look different. But for all intents and purposes, the people that are so anti-repro should be also terrified of what Hasbro's doing. And Hasbro is the license holder. So it's just a gigantic mess. And like I said before, this brings in that whole fanboy loyalty bull crap mentality that we all fall into whose side are you on are you a pro retro blasting guy or are you a pro you know imperial commissary guy you know which which camp are you on and it seems like people are kind of attacking each other at times brainlessly like super with a religious fervor political fervor even if you have enough followers your followers will then start going into different chat groups and and websites or places in the internet where they attack people that are pro a certain thing and this is exactly what started to happen with this scenario now this scenario seems to be over everybody has kind of backed away to their own camp the book is going to be made they reached their their goal and i believe they're going to return the three thousand dollars to the other group because they don't want their money but you now in the process insulted one side of the fence i don't know if that will have an effect on how much money these people can make with the book because there are going to be people, I imagine, just as nutty as they are on the other side that they first complained about it in the first place. And they probably sat down and said to themselves, all right, you know, where do we lose more money? Do we lose more money by giving into this group or do we lose more money by giving into that group? And they probably figured out that insulting the pro repro people was more beneficial by not taking their money or at least not taking the money with the name of that group. Again, there's so many things that could have been done differently. You, they could have donated the money, but not made a big deal out of it and not make a spectacle of it so that they could promote their own thing. So you can kind of see how they kind of piggy back that whole thing. And I'm sure there are other groups that probably did that that have nothing to do with Star Wars, but they're there to promote their whatever it is the heck they're selling. Granted, if you are trying to do some kind of cross-promotion like this on a Star Wars-related item, most likely is you want the Star Wars fan that are there, so you're probably also trying to sell some kind of Star Wars product. Sicking your fans on a situation like this, when you all of a sudden throw somebody into the middle of it and force them and kind of strong-arm them into declaring them your ally is also a pretty crappy thing to do thereby bringing another person in the mix and then both going at it, you know, like cats and dogs. That's why I said from the beginning of this that I'm luckily not in the middle of it. I like them both. I like the product. I, I purchased, here's the crazy part. I purchased that guy Justin's book. I haven't read it yet, but I purchased it. I purchased the um, so the guy's uh, website is the man who shot Luke Skywalker because he's the photographer. Uh, Kim Simmons' book. I purchased his first book. I pre-ordered this second book. I contributed to this Kickstarter. 
uh, you know, so I can get my second book. I watch Retroblasting all the time. I go to the IC Facebook groups all the time and purchase things from there too, you know, through other people that are selling. But yeah, it's like, oh my God, if you... If you understood the behind-the-scenes insanity, the political BS that is happening, and this isn't even politics, like real politics. This is Star Wars politics. This is even more stupid and more useless than the situation I went through, than the RFR crap. That, at least, behind it all, had some real serious, you know, toxic fanboy meat and bones behind it. But here, you're talking about just dirty pool, dirty politics, you know, when it comes to what kind of toys you like. I mean, it's just insane. <laughs> you can't, it's, it's almost better not to know. Again, I keep saying it over and over. It's better not to know how the sausage is made. Just enjoy the sausage. <laughs> because you could not believe this behind the scenes kind of craziness. And I'll say it again. These people that I like and I follow and I get wrapped up in their videos or their websites or whatever, you don't know them. And I get the impression that because of these type of actions that they take and, and, and the, the amount of pent up energy and anger that sometimes comes out of them, it's the type of thing that as much as you like them, you really don't want to be on their bad side. Because they would just completely unload and unleash the hounds on you, you know. It's like, um, I, I keep saying, it's, it's like a divorce. It's like everything is lovey-dovey until it's not. And then, oh my God, they can just go completely nuts. And you hear stories like that sometimes from people who, you know, who's like, uh, you know, everything's great. And then all of a sudden, when things didn't go great they turn into your worst enemies and some of these guys know each other or knew each other from before so it's even it's even sadder and, and just more crazy so what's the moral of the story here well like i said i'm going to try to include as many of these links as possible uh so you can kind of see the story from both sides uh, and you can kind of take a step back and take look at the big picture you know, do you have enough information to kind of tell who's right and who's wrong? And like I said before, because there is no law, there is no rules as to what constitutes what. These are rules that are being made by the fans as to what is okay and what is not. Is, is Repro evil? Is Repro not evil? You know, are the anti-Repro people, people that are just trying to maximize their worth of their products... Uh, by not having anybody compete with them. You know, I told you, there are people that are so nuts that they, you know, e even even buying a, a, an, an authentic item is not considered to be a real collector. You have to have bought it initially in person 30, 40 years ago. It's, you know, it's just nuts. But at least you'll have enough of a background information to at least, if you then have to decide where do you fall on this whole, you know, repro or non-repro issue, you can at least have enough information because it is not as clear-cut as it sounds. There is a gray area. Either side can and has gone too far on both ends of it. You know, th there is a way where they could kind of say, okay, let's all agree on what's what and just stop right there. You know, we could say that as long as the figure or the accessory have something that is noticeably different, 
then we feel safe that it is not a forgery. You know, that kind of thing, because there's that argument of everything is a forgery, everything is fake, everything is going to diminish the worth of my collection. And the point of this is not even to enjoy your collection. The point of it is to make money, which, you know, brings up another whole thing. These guys are bi- the IC guys are business guys. They're making money. Everybody's making money out of this. And once you start messing with money, people lose their mind. But like I mentioned earlier, there are no rules because there are there is no overall law that determines what's what right now. It's the Wild West of action figure collecting, you know, fandom and fanboys. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. This is a topic that really, really seems to be turning, as I've explained, into pretty much a political discussion in terms of how... People have formed their opinions and are accepting certain camps, if you will, of, you know, your philosophy of collecting. As you can hear from my description of the issues, is that these two camps are both right and wrong. There are certain things that these two camps mentioned that I agree with, and there are certain things I don't agree with. But I think that the one of the biggest issues other than the issue itself of you know which camp do you support is more of a personality issue not that all of the participants claim to be the leaders of whatever camp you happen to follow but one of the biggest problems that i'm finding is that the personalities are potentially just as volatile as the issue itself In other words, I can easily see how certain people will just follow one or the other just blindly. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, they will just be on their side and just parrot their talking points, just like a politician gets their followers to do. Right after I finished editing this episode, a post went up, a YouTube video from Michael Havens uh, from the Imperial Commissary. He did about a half hour on how much he hates Repro and a specific story having to do with him buying this huge lot of toys to find out that they're mainly reproductions. And the heartbreak associated with the woman who happened to be a widow of how he just basically destroyed her investment that her husband was apparently investing in and how awful it was. and. It's a horrific story, you know, to have to hear, you know, those events. If that's what happened, that's part of the problem. It's the, oh, geez, this is just such a horrible story. And it's like, is it true? Is it not true? You know, he the, the story is about how the woman, uh, somebody puts him in touch with this woman who wants to unload a ton of Star Wars vintage material. And once he's examining, he realizes that a lot of it is fake, is intentional fakes, or unintentional fakes, some of them, depending on what you're looking at. So, on the video, which I'll I'll throw in the link, because he basically goes through the whole story and then just repeats himself over and over again about how much he hates this stuff and how awful it is, as he then takes the card backs from these figures and proceeds to shred them (laughs) on a a shredder. And it did remind me a little bit, granted, it's a different scenario, it's a different situation, but it's a little bit about, remember that guy on uh, on YouTube that took, I don't know, like a thousand Kenner f- 
figures and put them in a fish tank and dumped some kind of acid to melt them just to see how people would react. A complete jerk as far as I'm concerned, you know, destroying vintage material like that. But anyway, there are good points and there are not so good points. I mean, he does talk about how he is now finding, you know, there used to be this thing called the float test um, when it comes to action figure guns, accessories. And I don't remember exactly how it works. If they float, they're real. If they don't float, they're fake or something like that. But now his claim is that the the people that are manufacturing these reproductions, they're so good now that they're purposely making them so that they float or vice versa. Again, don't hold me to this. But so his point is that because the intent is forgery and deceit, they're trying to make them as real as possible. So people will not realize what they have. Now, this is an excellent point. It's a very good point. You know, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I I personally think that if you are manufacturing guns, rifles, whatever it is that you're manufacturing that's a reproduction, make them just a little... I mean, don't go crazy to the extent where, like, remember for safety reasons, like any kid guns would have a red tip or they would be colored purple or colored greenish. No, no. Maintain the, the 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 structure and the color, but make a little something different. It's, you know, put two little circles or two little squares in the handle. Something that anybody looking at the two will say, fake, real, fake, real, fake, real. As to how they're manufacturing these things, the content, the material, you know, who the hell knows? I mean, I would imagine people just try to make them as cheap as possible. So maybe the products is just so cheap that they match the original, you know, 40 45-year-old cheap materials they were making back then, I don't know. But, yeah, when you're dealing with a situation like what he's talking about. Now, again, his particular story gets a little murkier, I think, than an average story. Because he's, like, enraged and, 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 and offended and upset and sad and everything about this poor woman. And it's like, but wait a minute. The husband apparently told her that this was going to be her nest egg. This was this collection he had was going to be her, you know, to get her, either her or her kids to college or something. And it's like, listen, if your financial planning for your family is, in case I die, take the money because there's at least a half a million or a quarter million dollars worth of toys here, and this will set you up, for your education, for your kids, and for your, you know, the rest of your life for yourself, you got a little problem here. Your your husband is probably not telling you the truth. And he even admitted that, according as far as he's concerned, he thought that the guy knew exactly what he had. That he knew he had a collection of non-authentic, reproduced toys. And that he lied to her, basically, about it. And how heartbroken he is that he has to break her heart to let her know. And it's like, I don't know. I think there's just a little too much. Something doesn't smell right in this story. Something is a little too over the top. Now, yeah, it is possible that he is embellishing the story quite a bit to make it sound more dramatic and more, you know, touching. And, oh, God, what a heartbreak. This is the evils of reproductions. But... That is my point. My point is that when you have two camps and they're both going at it head to head, they're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at it. It's the equivalent of a divorce where normally you would not, because I've seen this happen to people, where normally you would not bring up certain things in discussions and conversations. But guess what? 
when you're in divorce mode, everything goes out the window. You throw the kitchen sink, you throw the kitchen, you throw the whole house at an individual because of the that situation. And that is the, the type of battle that they seem to be engaged in, uh, like a political battle, like an election, where they just dig up as much crap and dirt as humanly possible. It's interesting because he was also kind of defending himself on the video without even anybody asking. Obviously, nobody was asking questions, but he has been replying. You know, the part of this video is to reply to certain accusations that have been floating around, I guess, on the on whatever chat groups he, he works with, having to do with him giving a friend of his a whole bunch of repro stuff so his kid could play. And that, that you know, somebody, I guess somebody's throwing that kind of in his face. Oh, you're Mr. No Repro, but you gave this guy all this repro stuff. And then the guy, there was a falling out. And then the guy tried to sell all that. You know, it was one of these disaster stories that, that, you know, if this was a court case, it would kind of chip away at your credibility. But he's explaining the reasons and why it was a mistake to do that and blah, 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 and whatever. Okay, so it's like, yeah, this is a this is a, a battle that is being fought now by putting out these statements or videos or, or presentations, defending your point and attacking the other side. But once again, I bring it all back to this whole thing about they're both right and they're both wrong. Yes, any type of reproduced material should have something that easily makes them noticeably a reproduction. Now, again, how easily? That's probably where we all are going to start splitting hairs. I would do it as much as to make a manufacturing stamp. You know, instead of Lucasfilm 1978, it should say, you know, Bob 2020 in the, you know, in, on, you know, on the leg, something like that. Now, the people that are manufacturing cards and that recarding figures, that's a whole other world. I don't think you're going to find too many of those in the mass scale that this guy was talking about because he had stuff that went across the board from top to bottom. But I don't think he was dealing in reproduced toys. I think he was reeling in the, the majority of the issue here is that there were reproduced cards. Somebody, which is nothing new. Now, these guys are complete criminals as far as I'm concerned. They're taking old figures in good shape, recarding them, and I assume what they're doing is they're selling them as originals. That is, there's nothing you can, there's no way you can defend that whatsoever if that's what you're doing. You can't defend that. That's completely messed up. However, with some of these other companies that I'm used to dealing with, specifically the ones that I talked earlier having to do with this project that was being backed and then they, they said, no, no, you guys deal in this. That's a whole other world. You know, they do deal with guns. They do deal with accessories. They do have maybe two or three carded figures, but I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the, the figures either are or, or are now individually stamped in a way that you can, you can read and say, okay, no, that's not it. That's it. That's not it. Again, we are deep, deep in the weeds here. This is a very specific phenomenon. And uh, unfortunately it is creating these camps. Now, luckily I've been able to ride both sides of the fence. And this is one of those instances where I really don't want to get involved. <laughs> I don't have I don't have a reason to get involved. I mean, I, I could have my opinion, but that's it. Who cares? My who, who the hell cares what, what my opinion is? But I don't have 
a monetary gain here one way or the other. Uh, you could say one camp is trying to mark, you know, bring up the prices, make, make their collections, make their things more expensive and more valuable by rallying against the other. You could say that. The other side seems to be more of a live and let live kind of, you know, philosophy, which, you know, I kind of understand that too. There is no way I could defend anybody who is purposely lying and cheating somebody about what they're selling them. So, yeah, this is a this is an ongoing issue that's I think is going to continue to 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 happen and unfortunately, like I said, it is creating these rabid followers to either side who just go all out, you know, like a political campaign, go all out against the other side and are willing to just you know, completely obliterate the other side with, with in whatever manner, especially in social media, to kind of get their point across. And both of these individuals are the type of people, again, I'm making an assumption, I never met them, probably never will, are the type of individuals that, and, I, and I'm going to say this because I've known people like this, that are very charismatic, but they do have a tipping point where they just become completely unreasonable and it's like my way or the highway and they probably get off a little bit on their popularity the amount of subscribers they have or the amount of people that follow them kind of boosts their ego and it fuels their their not only their passion for whatever it is that they're collecting but their passion for their point of view and that in turn kind of infects their followers with that passion which is it's good as far as you staying on your particular collection or particular thing that you are collecting that you know that you're into but it's bad when it comes to then attacking the other side of whatever it is the other side is trying to do so if you are this deep into action figure collecting especially your star wars because i don't i don't really see these kind of insane fights <laughs> There's some other toy lines, but they might exist for all I know. I don't know. This is definitely, I think, a phenomenon that is somewhat exclusive to this. But it's just incredible how these things exist. If you did not know about, if you weren't into action figures, if you weren't on the internet, you somebody would tell you this and you would be like, what are you talking about? Are you, are you high? Who the hell cares about any of this? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm, I, for all we know, that there could be people that, are, that collect scissors and they're having these rip-roaring arguments over them <laughs> too, just like action figures. <laughs> but anyway, I, I wanted to give you guys this extra amount of information that I came to very recently, just as I was putting the show to bed. So thank you for listening, and we will see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Far away, the Star Wars saga began, and Kenner continues the excitement. We must capture Luke Skywalker. Zuckus, Imperial TIE fighter pilot, Adat Commander, and Hoth Luke Skywalker, each sold separately. Those guys don't give up. Which way now, Adat Commander? He must be in here. We've got you now, Skywalker. Shoes on the other foot. I've got you. Zuckus, Adat Commander, and other action figures, each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi collection.
If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2020. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long.